Welcome back to the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. My name is Jeremy Devins, and today is the Friday forecast for November 17th, 2023. I'll be sharing about all the major transits happening this week, including some major movements for the outer planets, shifting some longer-term energies for all of us, how we can work with that on a more specific level. And we're just about three weeks away from Mindful New Year 2023. That's right, we're almost to the end of 2023 already. And we'll be talking about all the major transits coming up next year. So that's one of my favorite offerings. This will be the sixth year, I think, offering Mindful New Year, maybe the seventh. But I'll be sharing about all the transits coming up for 2024 and a little bit beyond that, how we can work with these upcoming energies. It's one of my favorite offerings, one of my most popular offerings and that will be coming up live online on December 12th, 2023. You can mark your calendars now, but you cannot register yet. That will be coming out next week. You'll be able to start registering. So stay tuned for that. And if you are signed up for the weekly emails, you'll hear about this first. So quietmindastrology.com is where you can get the free Friday forecast delivered to your inbox with detailed write-ups on the transits and energies for the week. And that's where you can also get your free birth chart, your free Vedic birth chart. If you don't know your Vedic astrology birth chart, where the planets and stars were when you were born based on the sidereal zodiac, that's where you can get it at quietmindastrology.com for free. And there's a little training as well to help you understand it because I love to teach you how to read astrology, how to really be an astrologer, even at the most basic level. So you can really apply this to your life and not just listen to what everyone else says because it just becomes an echo chamber of, well, how do you know that it's Scorpio season or the moon is in Scorpio? Is it just because somebody said it on Instagram? Can you look with your own eyes? Can you look with the night sky app and see what's happening with astronomy? And if you do, you'll see that the most commonly shared astrology, the Western astrology, is actually not true to astronomy. So how do you follow a system and justify following a system of trying to understand ourselves that's based on where things were 2,000 years ago and not where they are now. So Western astrology does this, and Vedic astrology is much closer to astronomy. So when we say that the sun is in Aries, it's something you can see with your own eyes with a telescope, and where it is now. Right? So you, you get your birth chart, you might find a lot of your planets and signs are different than your Western chart, and that's because that's where things were astronomically when you were born. So if you're new to this podcast, go back to the past episodes, going into more detail on these kind of things, the houses, the signs, how to read your birth chart, your ascendant. There's episodes on all of these things you can go back to in the archives if you're new here. And I know many of you have been listening to many for many years, and I'm super grateful for that. And we have such an amazing, awesome community who shares and listens to this podcast. And I'm super grateful for all of you as we move into Thanksgiving next week here uh, in the Northern America. <laughs> I'm actually in Mexico now, so I'm getting used to this, uh, not being in um, the United States. Still North America, but Thanksgiving coming up next week, a time to celebrate gratitude, which I think is important to do all the time. And I'm super grateful for you listening to this podcast and grateful to share the transits happening this week and grateful for what I want to share here at the beginning, a little bit before we go into the transits, is Ayurveda, the science of life extension. So, a lot of people know about yoga. Uh, about 1 in 10 people practice it regularly in America. It's very widely known, and it's an amazing practice. Pretty much everyone listening, probably if you practice yoga, you know the benefits. A lot of people don't know. It comes from the same source text as Jyotish, Vedic astrology. It's what we call it now. 
Jyotish means the science of light. Yoga means union. And Ayurveda is the third practice. These are typically practiced all together. Ayurveda, the science of life extension or the wisdom of life extension. And it's basically the old medical system of India, of ancient India, that's still practiced today because it works so well. And it's about syncing up with the elements and working with the elemental energies on the most fundamental level of earth, water, air, fire, ether, and balancing these within ourselves. And me personally, I've been practicing Ayurveda for, I don't know, maybe 12 years now. And it's a continual learning process because you're your vicarity, your current state changes day by day. Some days you're more fiery, some days you're more earthy, some days you're more watery. And it's an important thing to continually check in with. And it can be as simple as looking at your diet. Are you eating a lot of spicy foods? And then are you having night sweats and inflammation and more anger and frustration? These are all pitta qualities, fire element qualities. Or are you eating a lot of dry foods, nuts and seeds, salads, uncooked foods, raw foods, and then you're having issues like gas, dry skin, itchy scalp, uh, dandruff, anxiety, overwhelm. These kind of things are all expressions of vata dosha, and I'm showing the more negative side of these. And then maybe you're eating more soupy things, heavy foods, a lot of sweets, uh, like ice cream, uh, sweet potatoes, heavy, dense, earthy foods, you're going to have more of the earth quality, the kapha dosha, and then you may start to have some of the excess issues of uh, feeling sluggish, heavy, uh, weight gain, water retention, laziness, apathy, these kind of things. Now, on the positive side, when these things are balanced, we have the strong pizza, we get stuff done, we're focused, we're, sh we're sharp, we're driven, we have strong vata, we are creative, we're thoughtful, we're insightful, uh, we have a very sharp creative mind and have a lot of new ideas, can innovate things. And then when we have strong kapha dosha and it's positive, we're loving, connected, kind, compassionate. We have a staying ability, ability to not just create things, not just do stuff, but sustain things, which is often one of the more challenging parts. Uh, most people in modern times are vata excess. Pretty much, I could say, most likely, most people listening to this have high vata dosha. It's very common. Because of the modern technology, modern times, we have all this information coming at us all the time on all of our devices, and we're aware of things happening everywhere around the world all at once. Like that movie that came out a year or two ago, Everything Everywhere All the Time. That kind of thing, that's like the perfect uh, symbolic expression of modern times that movie and that's extremely vata so most people have vata excess that can lead to anxiety restlessness difficulty sleeping insomnia all sorts of digestive issues any digestive issues is a vata issue uh, so the first place to look with ayurveda to bring balance is to reduce vata to ground almost everybody can benefit from more grounding that's like literally feet on the earth, feet on the ground. You could go years with putting on shoes and never have your feet touch the actual earth. Especially if you live in a dense city where there's not as much access to the ground and grass and dirt and beaches and things like this. So just actually getting your feet on the earth is a great way to start to balance this out. If you notice you're having any of these imbalances, 
uh, grounding and getting your feet on the earth, eating, in all cases, a more sattvic diet. That's a more clean diet, which uh, is basically the obvious fruits and vegetables, organic, natural, simple, close to nature, less ingredients, this kind of thing. So this is a quick overview, and a lot of Ayurveda comes back to like morning routines and uh, how you can do that I'll share in a moment. But I'm sharing all this because I've been studying this for a long time and just recently had an Ayurvedic session with someone here in Mexico that was really powerful for me. And uh, I, even though I've been doing this a long time, there's always new layers. There's always new things to discover about ourselves, and we're never like done, especially with Ayurveda because it's like a day-to-day balancing of these energies. And you might eat a lot of spicy foods one day and now your pizza's high and your your vikriti, your current state, is imbalanced. And you maybe have uh, more pizza excess issues. For me, if I eat, if I like drink dairy milk, like typical dairy milk you buy at a store, the next day I start to have a little bit of acne on my face. And I never get acne on my face, but this happens if I just start drinking milk. Uh, just the typical milk you can buy in stores, not like raw organic milk you could get in India. Like the milk I had in India, like fresh from the cow, uh, no issue at all. But the typical stuff you buy in like Western stores, yeah. A lot of inflammation with this. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you see these effects right away. So you take, you eat something and then you feel the effects. Uh, you eat too much, you have too much stimulants, too much coffee, too much caffeine, uh, chocolate, workout supplements, you start to get anxiety, anxious, irritability, uh, on edge, your heart rate might flutter. You know, these kind of things can happen pretty fast and you feel the direct effects. Or you take magnesium at night and you can feel your body relax and your muscles relax. Uh, And it might affect your digestion as well. So a lot of times these effects of the food are really quick and obvious, but sometimes they're not. And we just start to get into patterns. And when I first got here to Mexico, I got sick quickly, which is very common coming from the U.S., you know, just adapting to the environment, getting some of the, the bacteria and flora and fauna from the new location uh, is very normal. And then I became more vigilant about my diet to make sure I had ginger and garlic and onions and these things that are more purifying. Uh, they can really help stimulate the immune system, turmeric as well. And uh, just have been, I kept doing this and it was really helpful when I was sick, got me over the sickness pretty quick, uh, but I've just kept doing it for the past few months without thinking about it. I fell into a routine because I know I really like to find routines and that really benefits me. And a lot of uh, Ayurveda is about creating routines in our lives. So I was like, okay, I got a good routine now to protect my immune system. But then in the last month or so, I've been extra hot, like difficulty cooling off my body at night, even like taking a shower and my body heats back up. So there's this really high core temperature and I'm having garlic and ginger and cooked foods and kombucha, which is also like this pungent kind of taste uh, that increases pizza. And I realized that going into this session, like everything I've been doing is just increasing pizza. And then I'm in a pizza environment in a really hot climate. And uh, I wasn't a couple months ago. I like first I got here, I was in the ocean every day. And then after a while, not so much. And I realized like being in the ocean is really important here. It really cools off the uh, the heat. But I really needed to change my diet. And just in the past few days, I made the changes that my consultant suggested and feel so much better, so much more balanced. 
And again, it's something I'm highly aware of and attuned to and think about every day in my morning routine. I'm aware of this, but I started to have symptoms of imbalance and then needed to rebalance. So Ayurveda is a really powerful tool for having this perspective. And it's really simple. It's like like increases like, opposites bring balance. So if you're really fiery, you probably need something to cool down. And not ice water, surprisingly, because that's a kind of extreme thing. So in Ayurveda, it's a lot more simple. And you wouldn't have had ice water a thousand, two thousand years ago. Uh, you can do this, but it's going to now kind of push your body through these extremes. And it's really better for the body to be more gentle and gently reach a sort of homeostasis. And yes, we want to push our bodies at times. Uh, but if we do this too much, then we get into these extremes and we get into these significant imbalances. Too much cold, now we're getting into too much kapha and vata and the anxiety and all this. Uh, too much heat, we get into the pitta and the sweating and the irritability and all this. So you can start by just having a morning routine where you do something to check in with your body, maybe yoga practice or breath work, and notice if things are out of balance. And then in your diet, you can make a huge impact. And Ayurveda says that the diet is the medicine. So rather than pharmaceuticals, which are derived from herbs and nature and natural things, and just compounds that are just uh, basically taken out of these natural things, we just go to the natural things. So more cucumber water for me. It's made a huge difference. Just putting some slices of cucumber in my water, so much better, right? I'm drinking it if you're watching the video. <laughs> Got it right here. Uh, and it helps me cool off a lot, and I'm feeling a lot cooler just drinking that. And no ice, not cold water or anything, just room temperature. And it's taking out the, the ginger and the garlic for now. Even though it's great for anti-inflammation and immune system, if that's what I'm doing every single day in a hot climate and not balancing it out, it's not so great. So even good things need to be moderated, right? So you can really intuitively check in with this, right? Are you having any of the excess symptoms that I said earlier for any of the three doshas, vata, pitta, or kapha? That's the uh, vata, the air and ether element, pitta, the fire element, and kapha, the earth and water element. It's pretty obvious. You can just kind of observe your body and your mind and notice which one you're tending towards. And then do a little bit of the opposite to see how that feels. See if you notice any shifts. Change some of the habits that are increasing the dosha. It's not easy. And I've worked with people in the past. And I went down this path of being an Ayurveda consultant for a while. And I realized it's not exactly what I wanted to focus on. But I really did enjoy the training and everything. Uh, but just trying to... Somebody would come to me with major issues like complete constipation, no bowel movements, and they're eating all vata foods all day, snacking granola, dry foods, uh, little oil, little fat. And I offered suggestions. We worked together for several weeks, you know, and this is just one example, but this kind of thing, it is just difficult, right? And she would come to me like I started doing the thing and then it just kind of fell back into the habit. So it's not easy to change these habits, and I have a lot of compassion for that process. Uh, I have a lot of eighth house stuff for myself, so it is a little easier for me to change habits. I recognize that it's not the same for everybody. If you have a lot of eighth house stuff or a lot of Scorpio stuff or maybe Gemini stuff in your chart, you may find it easier to change habits quickly. But if you've got a lot of earth in your chart, it may be harder to change those habits.
even if you know they're not serving you anymore. So that's where it can help to have some sort of support or um, just some sort of perspective to process it. But it is as simple as just observing and then like increases like, opposites bring balance. So hopefully this is helpful and insightful for you in exploring Ayurveda on the sort of fundamental level. And then to really start to integrate it into your life, the first thing to do is just use this tongue scraper in the morning. Now you can get these specific like copper or stainless steel tongue scrapers. They're just like a, a U shape that you just drag down your tongue a couple of times. You'll see this white film come off your tongue in the morning. The Ayurvedic perspective is that is your liver detoxifying and that's ama. Those are the toxins releasing from your body. And if you don't do that, you basically just ingest them again and they become less uh, significant, but it's still in your body. So you want to get those out of your body with the tongue scraping in the morning. And if you're really on the sick side, your tongue will be white. You'll have a thicker film. If you're on the healthier side, your tongue will be more reddish pink and uh, less film on your tongue. Sometimes you'll have cracks in certain spots. There's a whole world of just an analyzing the tongue. And good Ayurvedic doctors can just look at your tongue for a second and say, okay, you got this, this, and this issue, and then prescribe things for you. So tongue scraping first thing in the morning, like brush your teeth, scrape your tongue, drink some water, room temperature. Uh, with lemon or lime, it's really great for the, uh, the help to stimulate the digestion in the morning. And if you are pitta, it's lime. If you're uh, kapha or vata, it's lemon. And then look at your bowel movement. <laughs> this is an important part of Ayurveda. If you're going to get sick, your, your stool will tell you before you get sick. So if you've got a healthy bowel movement, it looks like a ripe banana. If you've got anything else going on, you've got some sort of imbalance. And if it's really bad, like constipation or diarrhea or really loose stools, you're probably on the verge of getting sick very likely so you want to quickly make the changes to your diet and lifestyle that day and depends on what you see like if it's constipation you're too dry you need more oil if it's too loose you've got too much oil you need more dry stuff right it can be very very simple in a sense opposites bring balance and i know i've studied this a long time so in a sense it seems kind of obvious to me and maybe if you're new to this it's not as obvious but it really is like Okay, what are the qualities of this uh, stuck, hard, uh, no motion, constipation? Opposite of that would be uh, relaxed, motion, ease, flowing, uh, but not too much where it's like diarrhea, but where things can move, right? So how do we get to that firm, right banana shape, right? And I hope I uh, hope everyone's still listening. <laughs> but when you talk about Ayurveda, like you got to talk about the tongue and the bowel movements. Like that tells you so much about the health. And in Western medicine, they don't always look at these things, but these are really essential. And you got so much information just from that. And then you can make the lifestyle changes. And if you have the clean tongue and the healthy bowel movements within the next day or two, you're back on track, back to more homeostasis, healthy balance of the doshas. And everyone's going to have their own mix. Some people are more pizza dominant. These are often like the CEOs, the driven, hardworking, ambitious people who tell everybody else to push themselves. Some people are more vata, they're the creative types. Some people are more kapha, they're the more grounded, earthy types. It's good to play to your strengths and know that. And you don't need to try to just be balanced or be something you're not. But you also don't want to go so far into one type that you become significantly imbalanced. 
Uh, so these are some of the essentials of Ayurveda. There's three doshas. It's a combination of the elements. We're working with the elements. And when we do this, we become more sort of balanced in ourselves and we can make clearer decisions. And so much of this podcast, I talk about life alignment, of making clearer decisions, better understanding yourself, using your chart as a tool to make better decisions and better understand yourself and the patterns and timelines you're working through. And it's going to be really hard to do that if you're sick, if your pitta is excess and you're getting irritable all the time, uh, if you're restless, if you've got too much vata and you can't digest food and you've got all sorts of digestive issues, or if your cough is imbalanced and you just can't make any changes and you feel stuck. Uh, so we need to balance these things. And this is what I teach in the yoga teacher training that I offer. And that will be opening up soon. More details on that coming up. Uh, but this is the other side of things. So I teach the Ayurveda and the yoga together for the health and wellness of the body and mind. And we need that to better understand and interpret the astrology. We come to the astrology with a tense body and all these aches and issues and imbalances. We're not going to see clearly. We're not going to perceive the, the information uh, of the astrology as clearly. Our intuition is not going to be as sharp. Uh, so it's really essential. And I came to all this from yoga and Ayurveda first, then astrology later. Because astrology is so dense and complex, I kept putting it off. Like, I'm going to focus on the yoga and Ayurveda. That seems simpler. Uh, and just learn the astrology on the side as I keep going over the years. Uh, and now it's kind of shifted where I'm focused on the astrology now. But uh, I really do think they go hand in hand. And that's how you would have learned it in ancient India. You would learn all three together. Uh, Jyotish for understanding the spiritual experience of life and the meaning of life and our place in the universe and yoga for bringing harmony to the body and mind and Ayurveda to extend the life and live a more sattvic, healthy, peaceful, balanced life where we're more in this pure kind of energy where all the other things can work better. And if we have a lot of disease and imbalances and issues, we're not going to have any space for doing this kind of deeper personal growth work or transformational work of yoga and astrology. So, that's my little rant on Ayurveda and just a little gratitude for the consultant I worked with this week to help me restore balance in myself. And even after all my years of experience, still I'm a student, a beginner's mind all the time of like uh, needing different perspectives or needing to just step back and look at my habits and make sure that they are still in alignment because it's going to change season to season, year to year. When you move to a new climate, it's going to change everything. So that's what's happened for me. And hopefully this helps give you some perspective. And again, to start integrating this in your life, just start doing the tongue scraping in the morning. Look at your tongue. Look at your bowel movements. Adjust your diet accordingly. Look at your lifestyle patterns. If there's stuff coming up, adjust as needed. And know that like increases like and opposites bring balance. And when we start to go really far into one side, we are going to tend to want to keep going that way. So like increases like, you start to do pits of things, drink coffee every day, watch motivational videos, get a lot of work done, push yourself. You start to want to do more things like this and you intensify more coffee, more work, more pushing yourself until you reach a burnout and a limit. Then you have to restore balance. Ayurveda teaches us that we can do this earlier and we want to do it before it becomes gross. We want to do it while it's subtle. That's where we can make the most influence. Once it gets into the tissues and it's a gross physical manifestation like an ulcer for a pitta excess or a growth, uh, could even be a cancer for a kapha excess, 
or uh, anxiety or digestive issues, IBS for vata excess. You know, these are very physical examples, psoriasis for vata. Uh, now it's gotten to the physical. It's a lot harder to change. It's still possible, but it's a lot easier to change on the subtle. And your body gives you the first sign of this with your tongue and your bowel movements every morning. And you can do your pulse, but this is a bigger concept as well. Uh, Ayurvedic doctor will check your pulse. And there's a whole science to pulse reading as well, where a good doctor could just read your pulse and tell you all this stuff <laughs> without needing to do a whole intake. Uh, that's a deeper topic we won't go to now, uh, but hopefully this is helpful for you. I think it's one of the most helpful things I've ever learned, and this is like a kind of crash course in it. And again, I go super deep in this in the yoga teacher training that I offer, the Quiet Mind Yoga Teacher Training. Uh, that will be coming out relatively soon. So stay tuned for that if you're curious about this and you want to apply this to your life. It's really much more for your own personal growth and life uh, health. Uh, but I do go into how to share this with others and teach this for people who want to do that as well. And it's been one of the most life-changing tools for me. And I use it literally every day. I think about my Ayurvedic uh, balance. Uh, but still, I... I was out of balance and I needed a new perspective to change this. So hopefully this gives you some perspective as well, whether you're new to this or experienced with it. So now let's move our discussion into the transits for this week and the energies happening with the planets and stars and how you can work with this based on your own birth chart. And again, if you don't have your own birth chart, go to quietmindastrology.com, get your free birth chart. And then when I talk about the signs, Look where those numbers are for you. So when I talk about Aries, that's the first sign. Taurus, that's the second sign. Gemini, third sign, and so on. To Pisces being the 12th sign. And then you'll see on your chart, it's a number, 1 through 12. Aries through Pisces. And when I talk about Scorpio, that's number 8 on your chart. That's where you can imagine this transit is happening for you in that house. And if you don't know the houses, you can go back to the episodes on the houses. Uh, so I'm teaching you how to really read your chart and not just... Uh, take my word for it, but look for yourself. And this 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 isn't possible with Western astrology because you can't look at the stars and see what they're saying because it's where the stars were 2,000 years ago. But with Vedic astrology, you can. You can look at with the night sky app, you can look with the telescope, and you can see these transits, and then you can see how they're working out for you personally. And let's talk about that now. So the first notable transit happening this week is on Saturday, November 18th. You see, as I move the dates along here, Uranus moves from Kritika into Barani Nakshatra. And Uranus is retrograde here. Uranus represents revolutions, unusual, unexpected, unique events. And it's here with Jupiter and Rahu for a little while in Aries. Rahu is going to be moving back to Pisces soon. So what this means is this can be a time that brings about unconventional introspective insights. So especially this week as this shift happens, you may find some new deep insights through meditation practices or unique therapeutic practices, all sorts of unique modalities you could explore that could be very beneficial at this time. Uh, one thing I've been exploring here in Mexico is TVM, the triple vagal method, which is something I had not encountered much before in the U.S., but it's actually got quite a big following, a lot of practitioners here in Mexico, and really good at releasing deep stored tension in the body, uh, emotions, tensions, traumas, these kind of things. Uh, and of course, you need to work with a professional on this, but that's a good example of the kind of modality, like deeply healing modality that can be really profoundly helpful 
in the next couple weeks or so if you have access to this but this trans will be going on for a while so we have this ability to work with this energy Uranus retrograde in Barony. Barony is the symbol the symbol of this is the Yoni so it's this portal between life and not existing we all pass through this portal or there's c-section or there's uh, other modalities of being born now but generally this is how we are born and historically this is the way and Barani represents this energy this expression of birth and death this transition between different dimensions of experience into this life and into the afterlife so with Uranus being here there can be some unusual exploration of these energies of maybe there's a sense of rebirth a sense of ego death that happens throughout this transit. This can bring about deep personal revolutions and personal breakthroughs. A good time to revisit and refine your creative ideas, things that you've birthed in the past as Uranus goes back over at Barney where it's been before, and any unique innovative ideas you've had that maybe require a little more attention and detail now. There can be some resistance to change with this transit, and you might cling to outdated or old systems. There could be some unexpected disruptions or challenges, and there may be a feeling of restlessness or rebelliousness without a clear direction. So you can always look to your Atmakarika, your soul indicator, the planet with the highest degrees in your chart. That is a good indicator of where your purpose may be, which uh, in this case actually Uranus is the planet with the highest degree in this chart, in this transit right now. Uh, but look to where that is, and that will tell you a lot about your soul's essence and where you can express yourself. Also, Rahu, where you're driven towards, and the sun, where you are in your authority and power. Coming back to these can help give you more direction. Mars, where you take action. We'll talk about Mars and sun transits coming up this week. But if you feel directionless or restless or needing some support, you can look to these things, your soul indicator, Abnakarika, the planet with the highest degrees, uh, your sun, your essence, your soul, Atma, and also Rahu, where you're driven towards in this lifetime. And then, of course, knowing your chart and the other aspects that stand out, you might have five planets and another sign. That's also very important. Uh, you see these things through a reading. When you get a one-to-one -one reading, you can see where these things are and look at your chart holistically. But these are some general things to look at. Next, on Sunday, November 19th, the sun moves into Anuradha Nakshatra. A couple hours later here, towards the end of the day, on Sunday, November 19th, the sun, our vitality, our essence, our creative energy, our leadership ability, the authority we have in the sign of Scorpio, which is deep and intense, in the Nakshatra of Anuradha, which is a very devotional energy. So all the way back a year ago, I talked about this because this happens every year. The sun, very consistent cycle through the year. And it's a devotional energy where we can put our passion drive and find our creative expression and our leadership ability through our devotional acts, devotional work. And this is a time where you can have enhanced determination and focus on your goals. And again, if you're not clear on your goals, go back a couple minutes to what I was saying there. You can also have increased ability for fair and balanced judgment of others. Even though it's in Scorpio, this Anuradha uh, energy here is about going deep, but also better understanding 
each other under these depths. It's good for negotiation and conflict resolution. There can be some indecision energy here, some people pleasing that comes with this. There could be some compromising of personal needs, some power struggles and partnerships here as well. It's a devoted energy sometimes to a fault. So it's important to also be devoted to yourself and your own boundaries and needs as well and balance those out. Next, on Monday, the t November 20th, Mars, you see, is in Vishaka right now. We'll move on to Anurata as well. Very similar energy. Mars and Sun are transiting close together for a while here this year. Mars bringing that warrior, passionate energy with the Sun, the creative vitality and power. And this is part of what we see with the wars in the Middle East, unfortunately. And there's a lot of factors for this. There are often wars going on all the time around the world, but this one is very much in the public spotlight in the U.S. and Western culture. And with Rahu and Ketu moving soon, I think this will let up a lot. I talked about this a couple episodes ago. But on a personal level where I like to focus what you can control, what you can influence, Mars is where you have your determination and assertiveness and action orientation, ability to get stuff done. And Nanyurata, it's very passionate about this. It's very devoted. And again, it really helps to know what for. What are you devoted to? What do you care about? And how can you use this drive and passion in service to that? There's increased ability for strategic and focused actions. So if you are in a sort of business or entrepreneurial path where it requires some sort of bigger picture thinking and getting stuff done, this Mars energy with the sun here in Anurata is about following that strategy, following that plan to get things done in a very uh, steadfast way. There can be deep transformational experiences, really profound healing. You got to be aware of being overly competitive or confrontational with this. And there can be a tendency to hold grudges and become obsessive with this. On Yurata, devotion with Mars passion can become obsession. And when that happens, it's good to just step back, meditate, have awareness. With all of these patterns, so much of it is helped through meditation because we have this step back, this perspective, this zoom out of awareness to just see the pattern playing out. And so much of astrology is just observing the patterns. And then knowing the potential outcomes, we can choose the more favorable rather than the unfavorable outcomes. Moving along, Thursday, November 23rd, Saturn into Satabisha Nakshatra, the star of healing. Now, I talked about this a lot on the uh, recent episodes in the monthly horoscope as well, so you can go back to this. But I'll touch on it briefly here again as we, now we move into this energy on Thursday. Saturn, the planet of discipline persistence, groundedness, thinking long-term, wisdom, maturity, also places obstacles on our path to teach us important life lessons. In Aquarius is very well-placed and very much aligned with all the technological breakthroughs we've seen. But again, on a personal level, in Satabisha, the star of healing, this is a great time for doing deep healing work and healing deep, deep patterns through your family history, through your past experiences, your traumas, whatever is deep in your experience. There's an enhanced ability for innovative and unconventional thinking, which again, we see this on the global level very much with the AI developments. Increased focus on humanitarian and collective goals is favorable for long-term planning and organization. 
There is a potential for community involvement and social reform. There's opportunities for discipline and structured approaches to collective projects. Aquarius is about the collective energy, the humanitarian causes. Saturn creates structure and boundaries and stability to work on these things. Satabasha brings the healing potential to bring together people to make major changes and shifts in energy in a positive way. There could be some group dynamics, uh, conflicts in group dynamics, risk of being overly detached or emotionally distant with this, potential for being ideological or controlling. There can be excessive rigidity in pursuing these goals. There can be a challenge in balancing the intensity of this energy, which can lead to detachment and stubbornness. Also, on November 23rd, Venus moves into Chitra Nakshatra, which we see in the bottom right here. Venus is in Virgo, where it's considered debilitated. But in Chitra, Venus, the planet of love, beauty, grace, harmony, arts, artistic expression. In Chitra, the brilliant star, the, the energy where Venus and the expression of your love and beauty can really shine. But it's in Virgo where there's this analytical element, there's this slight insecurity, we can overthink things, we can be harsh on ourselves, or we can be critical or cynical. But overall, this can be a very positive time for shining your gifts and sharing your gifts. So standing out and sharing your artistic expression in a very thoughtful way. There can be a deep focus on aesthetics and creativity. This is great for interior design, feng shui, anything that involves like gardening, uh, land organization, where you're maybe setting up how you're going to build a garden on a land or something like this. Landscaping is the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, increased ability for artistic expression, especially if it's something in editing. editing. Uh, I should edit that right there, right? Editing is a great use of Venus and Virgo. It's a great editorial ability in all forms. And it's a great artistic expressive energy, favorable for harmonious interactions. You can be overly critical, perfectionistic. It can be a tendency to become indecisive and overly analytical, analysis paralysis, and there's potential for conflicts related to aesthetic differences or personal standards. If this comes up in relationship, just take a step back, meditate, do your practices, recenter, and this will pass. In Venus and Virgo, sometimes people are afraid of this because it's considered debilitated, but like any transit, it will pass, and it's here to teach us a lesson and to show us where maybe we become too critical or cynical so that we can have awareness of this pattern and if we want to keep it we can if we want to change it we can it's all about having the choice and if we don't see the outcome see the karma the domino effect of our actions then we don't know if those are really actions we want to focus on or if they're in alignment or not sometimes we need to make the mistake touch the hot stove burn our hand and then say okay i'm never going to touch the hot stove again with my bare hand Sometimes we need to burn ourselves multiple times and then we get the lesson. Uh, with Venus and Virgo, this is relational. It's in your artistic expression and in your relationships. What are the lessons that you are learning here around maybe where you're too controlling, too critical, too cynical, and can let that go, too perfectionistic, and you can get the lesson and you can move on and you don't have to repeat it. And you can continue to spiral out and grow in new levels of awareness. So let's take a look at the transits for this week from November 17th and Ayurveda earlier in the episode. I hope you found this helpful and interesting. 
If you did, please take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, share it with a friend, and check out QuietMindAstrology.com where you can sign up for the free weekly horoscopes, the Friday forecast, every week to your inbox with the detailed write-ups about these transits and my recent memes over on Instagram. Love doing the funny memes on Instagram, on my stories. Follow me there at QuietMindAstrology. And I look forward to sharing more with you next time on the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast.